You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast edition here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We would love it if you would join us. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us to let us know what you think about what we think. You can also like us on Facebook and interact with us there. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. I mentioned that our show is powered each day by CRTV. Gentlemen, we just concluded taping today's show for CRTV. Should give the audience a little preview of what's coming. Uh, We taped it right after uh, Christine Blasey Ford got done testifying uh, to the Senate Judiciary Committee this morning and afternoon. The three of us didn't discuss this, compare notes with one another. Uh, John Miller, our White House correspondent at Conservative Review, joined us as well. And uh, we didn't have fake news or not or any of our normal segments. We just sat around for about 30 minutes digesting what we had just seen and breaking it down and comparing notes uh, of what our perspectives of what we had just witnessed and what it means going forward uh, pending uh, Brett Kavanaugh's testimony, which is beginning just as we are taping this podcast. So I don't know beyond that if we want to you know, throw too much else out there because it might be out of the context of the conversation we had uh, amongst the four of us today on CRTV. You guys okay with that? Or is there something you guys wanted to mention? I'm good with that. Todd? I'm fine. So if you're not yet a subscriber to CRTV, you know, a good opportunity today. Take advantage of that free trial. Use my name as a promo code and you'll get a discounted subscription. It'll cost you just a quarter a day. A quarter a day at CRTV.com. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. That's D-E-A-C-E. And you can become a subscriber to CRTV. You won't just get our show, but uh, the great one, Mark Levin, Stephen Crowder, the whole team at CRTV.com. Well, I think maybe more than ever since we started this series, today we could use a little Theology Thursday. Can I get an amen on that? Mm. And an exorcism. (laughs) Maybe that as well, for sure. Uh, We have been going through the book of Colossians. And again, some ground rules. If you're new to this uh, Theology Thursday podcast, it's the first time we've ever done a Bible study. We're not using any commentaries or any notes. Uh, We are sitting around, uh, the three of us, and letting the Word of God speak for itself. No, we are not telling you what it means to us because we don't care and you should care less than that. We're just dudes, and I don't care what it means to you. We care about what it means. Not what it means to me, not what it means to you, not what it means to everybody else, what it actually means. What it has to say to us, not what it means to us. And if we can find a current or a contemporary cultural application, which given what we are providentially having, you know, it's funny, when we started this series, we had no idea that everything we're talking about right now with Kavanaugh was going to happen. And when I look at where we left off, I mean, these things have not been scripted. We're not planning them out ahead of time because we want to, again, just let the Word of God speak to us right where we're at right now. And when I look at where we left off in the book of Colossians, oh boy, 
this is providential kind of this is this is hair yep. in the back of your neck kind of stuff of where we're at right now when you consider what today's conversation is so we're going to pick up the conversation in a moment if you have questions or criticisms because you know we're not you know um i'm not augustine todd's not not peter you know aaron's not uh, rc sproul okay we're just dudes you know, so we're not saying that everything we're saying here is even right on the money. So if you have questions or constructive criticisms, when you send them in, I'm saving them in the folder. And when we finish this uh, Bible study, we'll then go back and, and answer as much of that correspondence as we can. All right, you guys ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. Colossians 2, verse 8. And it's really the verse when I, when I had the epiphany to do a Bible study for Theology Thursday. I think I told you guys I was sitting in church. And our church was doing the book of Romans. And this verse just kept pounding into the back of my head. And it's why I decided to pick this book. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. Based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a minute. I'm going to read that again. Now, it's in the CSB, which is what our church uses. I'm going to go over to the ESV, which is my personal fave. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Captive. Yep. What's another word for captive? Slave. Slave. Jailed. Jailed. When Jesus comes out of the desert and publicly announces himself, and he shows up at the synagogue in his hometown, and he read in the book of Luke, and he reads the scroll of Isaiah. And he reads from Isaiah 61, where the prophet foretells the messianic ministry of the son of man he says the spirit of the sovereign lord is upon me to set the what captives captives free free. to set the captives free free from what philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition the elemental spirits of this world to set you free from the lies that you and I believe that are enslaving us. The idolatry that you and I succumb to that has enslaved us. The things that that we believe that cause us to behave in sinful ways. The things you and I believe that causes us to behave in sinful ways. Because that sinful behavior is also destructive behavior for us and those that we do it with and to. This is what Jesus came to set us free from. That we were captive to this. Are we seeing any evidence in our culture right now of being captive by empty deceit, 
philosophy that is of human tradition, not of divine origin. Spirits of this world, where all creation groans from sin, are we seeing any evidence of this now? Now, here's the test, though. See, this room going to make somebody mad. Jesus said, beware of wolves. Their fangs are sharp, as are their claws. Run when you see them. Is that what Jesus said? No. No. What did he say to beware of? Wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, are wolves dangerous? Yes. Is a wolf a dangerous animal? Yeah. So the fact that Jesus didn't single out beware of a wolf doesn't mean that a wolf's not a dangerous animal. But the presumption, you could reasonably conclude, the presumption of Jesus not feeling as if he needed to warn us to beware of the dangers of a wolf. What would be the what would be the assumption we can draw from what he is assuming about us? What do you think that probably means? Wolves are already dangerous. We already know what yeah. a wolf we can is. Figure that out on we our can, own. Yeah, we see the wolf. We know what the wolf is. So when I said, quoting Paul's words here, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. Right away, our minds are going to go where? To the wolf. Our minds are going to go to the wolf. And we're going to recognize hedonism, progressivism, moral relativism. We're going to recognize the wolves, right? We're going to recognize that. Now, when I say we, Paul is writing this to believers in Colossae. Not unbelievers. He's writing it to believers. So when I say we, I mean believers. Unbelievers may not understand some of that spirit of the age stuff is bad. And likely if they're unbelievers, they're buying into it or believing it themselves, okay? In this case, we're talking specifically to believers. The unbeliever will debate whether what a wolf is, like we debate now. What's a man? What's a woman? What bathroom do we use? Yeah. What's a life? What's a dollar bill? What's an economy? What's a job? What's a right? What's a freedom? What's a science, right? The unbeliever will debate every, every elemental spirit of this world. They will not recognize the difference between a wolf and a wolf in sheep's clothing. And they may not even recognize they're the wolf. This is written to believers. So the believer has the base level discernment by the act of God working directly in you and I's lives, we accept the basic assumptions of creation. We accept what an economy is, what a person is, what a gender is. We, 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 well, when we're doing it right, anyway, when we're doing it right, we cling to those absolutes. We, we look for the cut and dried answers. We love when things are, spell it out. Our spirit yearns for those things, desires them. We don't like the gray areas. We don't like the nihilism. We don't like the murky. We, don't, we want to know who's wearing the black hat, who's wearing the white hat, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. The unbeliever is not comfortable with good guys and bad guys unless they can make people they don't like and agree with the bad guy in every situation, whether they're the bad guy or not. But in this case, for the believer, we've got enough 
evidence of the of the work of God's handiwork, craftsmanship in our lives, we understand the base assumptions of the planet. We understand the base assumptions of the world. So we don't have to be warned a wolf is dangerous. We know. And some of us recognized we were the wolf, which is why we repented of our sins to stop devouring the other. But when you heard me read those words, if you jumped right away to the human philosophy that you instantly know your spirit instantly is repelled by, your spirit instantly says, that's bad. Well, danger, Will Robertson, avoid that. Don't go down, the, don't go there. Homie, don't play that. Whatever your euphemism, your colloquialism, cultural reference you prefer of your era. If your spirit went right to that place, that's not what Paul, I believe, is talking about. Because Paul is going to assume here, you and I as believers, know this. For if we wanted the elemental, and I don't mean like certain sins we find fun that we hold, we, we hold in the dark and we cling to secretly. I mean as a world, an all-encompassing worldview. As an all-encompassing worldview, if we wanted the elemental things of this world, if we wanted to be deceived, why did we then convert and become Christians? It doesn't make any sense. No, the challenge here, right in line with judgment begins in the house of God first. Look at the beam in your own eye as opposed to the speck of dust in your brothers. Jesus feeds 5,000 people, not counting women and children. Then he begins to say, now, if you want to come after me, you've got to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. The people think this guy's a freak show. They get up and walk away. He lets them go, turns to his followers, his own disciples, and says, are you going to leave me too? See, in the kingdom of God, the challenge always begins from the inside out, not the outside in. Character and integrity is measured from the inside out, not the outside in. We're not judged by, are we better than the people out here? We're judged by, is there evidence going on inside of us that we're becoming more like Christ? That's what we're judged by. Jesus says, hey, even the pagans love their children. Even the pagans love people who love them. Will you love your enemies? Will you be different? What's another word for holy? Set apart, different. So the assumption here is, as believers, we will know what a wolf is. We will not want to be wolves. We will not like wolves. We will want to run from wolves or confront them if God calls us to. That is the assumption. The danger is when Sauron appears outside the gates of Mordor, cast as an angel of light. That's the danger. When it looks like us and it talks like us, or it looks like our nationalistic or tribalistic preferences and, and, uh, and, and proclivities. I'm black. This black person says they've been abused. And rather than they've been abused by the police and rather than take a look at what's the truth, I identify our, with our common blackness, truth be damned, or let's switch it around. I'm white and my black Christian friend says they've been abused by the police and because I'm white and I think these things are way overblown and I watch Fox News all day, I think he's a lying sack, right? That's, that's right there. That is what Paul is addressing here. He is not addressing the obvious enemy. 
You know this. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life, at least on a fundamental level. You know what is bad. At a basic level, you get it. Because if you didn't know what was bad, what were you ever repenting from to convert in the first place? If you don't know, basically know right and wrong and basically know what sin was, then what are you repenting? What, what, what is it you recognize you need to turn away from in order to become a new creation then? If you don't know basic right and wrong. Now this is, this is now, we're at advanced levels here, guys. We're not, we're not doing our times tables. We're doing some algebra now. We got letters in the math formulas now. We're stepping it up a notch here. We're leaving elementary school, we're moving on to at least middle school now. The term human tradition, I believe, is very important. What is a tradition? You know, Paul, Paul in his letters uses a phrase, trusty saying. He uses this phrase in his letters a lot. Trusty saying, meaning this is an established divine tradition we are passing down to other churches and generations. But then there's the human tradition. Well, you know, if you guys don't sing these songs, if you have these instruments, if you don't dress this way, if you don't, have, if you don't believe Christ returns this one certain way, and we do. Those are human traditions. Good thing we did a seven-part series on worldview. Yes. See, the challenge here is, this, isn't, this is not beware of the external threat. This is a beware of the internal one. What are the things you want to believe that you want to syncretize with your Christianity, to use a phrase from our seven deadly worldviews? What are the things you want to syncretize with your faith because they seem reasonable and right to you? Human tradition. What's the math you are doing? Human tradition. If you don't vote for Trump, you hate America, you're not really a Christian, and you're just going to let the country go to the pagans. If you do vote for Trump, you have no standards, no morality, and you put America above your Christian faith. I mean, both of those things could be true. They could not be. It depends on the individual person's motivations. But are they, are they fundamental, absolute, philosophical Known quantities? No, they're not. They're empty deceit and human tradition is what they are. You must honor my human tradition. Let me give you another let me give you another term for human tradition. Ready for this? Tribalism. My tribalism, the way we do things. The third, ter the tertiary matters, the cultural matters, the matters of this world we believe in, that we prefer. You've got to believe in my tribalism over yours. We all recognize, ultimately, you're getting a lot of people that believe in orthodoxy. Maybe not, maybe not everybody catches on to Rob Bell at the same time. Some of us might be more inclined to be a little bit harsher, and so the minute Rob Bell colors outside the lines, we, 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 we crush him. Others of us maybe might bend more toward mercy, so we give Rob Bell more the benefit of the doubt because we saw some other things he did that we liked before we decide, uh, no, this isn't for real. But the minute Rob Bell finally takes off the sheepskin, reveals he's a wolf and says, 
there is no sin, love wins, there is no hell, everybody goes to heaven. Orthodoxy, which may not have agreed about what they thought about Rob Bell four years ago. The minute Rob, when he was wearing the sheepskin, the minute he takes the sheepskin off and just shows you the fangs and the claws, orthodoxy becomes united in what? That's a wolf! That's a wolf, bad guy! Bad guy, and that's why we don't buy his books anymore. He's got to hang out with Oprah now, because that's the only way he can make any money. Because we, we recognize that. We see the wolf. We get it. Bad guy. Don't do that. Did we recognize him five years before that? How many times did we let him come speak in our churches because he said what we wanted to hear? You want to know when, it really, when I got really turned on to Rob Bell? I was sitting in church one Sunday and we were playing one of his Zuma videos. I think it's what they were called. And the video was about St. Peter out on the boat walking on the water. And of course, Peter takes his eyes off of Christ, looks down, and sinks. Now, the proper exegetical teaching there is when he was in Christ, he could do great things. When he took his eye off of Christ, it's John 15, 5. For I am the vine, you are the branch. Those who are, those who are with me can, can do anything. Those apart from me can do nothing. So Peter took his eyes off of Christ, put his eyes on himself, and sunk. He didn't have the power to do what he was doing because the power wasn't him. It was Jesus. Rob Bell turns this around to, well, it wasn't just that Peter lost faith in Christ, but Peter forgot that Christ had faith in him. And then I leapt out of my seat right there in church. My wife had to hold me down, literally, physically, push me back down in my seat. And I went up to that pastor. We'd only been there for a few weeks. And I said, do you know what your student teacher because it was it was the student teacher preaching that day because we were sending the kids off to school i said you know what your youth ministry preacher just put up there on that screen he said yeah i do and i can promise you that's never happening in this pulpit ever again and when i saw him the next sunday correct it from the pulpit and it never happened again we joined that church and bob deaver and i are still good friends to this day that's the church i used to preach at see that's the test you get no points for recognizing Rob Bell as the wolf when he, when he finally tells you, I am the wolf. The points come from, did you recognize he was the wolf before that, when he was still lying to you? He's wearing the sheep's clothes. That's the test for us as believers, I believe Paul is alluding to here. Are we capable of rooting this out before it outs itself? Now, we have to be careful because we can also become the Theo nerd police. And the reason why for many years on this show, I refuse to talk about theology because it just brought out the absolute worst in everybody. Where there's no mercy, no grace, no place for people to explore, to learn, to question, to be wrong. There's one, being a heretic is one thing, being wrong is another. It's not that I lack in faith, I'm just wrong about something. I may even be vehemently wrong. The heretic wants to persuade you that wrong is right. And he knows it's wrong too. That's why he's a heretic. Because when you show him that it's wrong, he won't change his mind. He'll just keep lying. That's why we go to the next line. For in him, that's Christ, the whole fullness of deity, meaning Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God incarnate. The head of all, or for him is the fullness, whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority, meaning who decides here? Who decides what is philo empty philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition, the elemental spirits of this world? Who's the one that decides 
what is just we're just wrong about something or this is absolutely something that seeks to imprison us in heresy who decides that paul answers the question who's in charge here jesus christ the king of heaven and earth that's right he decides not your favorite theologian not your denomination not your favorite bible verse not your favorite podcast the king of heaven and earth does he decides which means we should be very hesitant about vehemently going to war with each other about anything Christ has not explicitly addressed. Yeah, I don't know about what you guys do in the Catholic side of things, but over here on the evangelical side, and I'm sure Aaron can agree with me on this, most of our scars come from destroying each other on stuff Jesus never explicitly talked about. Mm -hmm. Because, you you know, and you know why we do that? Because we're actually captive to our own philosophies and human traditions. Whether I can have a bourbon or not, or whether I have to teetotal or not, whether I can dance or not, or whether I can wear skirts or not. Whether there's a tribulation or whether the church is triumphant, uh, you know, whether there's a literal rapture or it's, uh, it's a metaphor from the Greek word harpezo from St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate or not. Whether I think I chose Christ of my own free will or I believe in double secret, uh, 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 you know, hyper Calvinistic predestination or not. These are the things we kill each other over. This is what's going on in your denomination right now, Todd. Is your pope has been confronted with sin in the church and he is choosing to respond, not with church tradition. Like, how did we... Like the proper, you correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, my understanding of of Catholic history, ecclesiology is enough that, as I read it, the proper reaction to sin in the church is to look at the tradition of how the church dealt with this in the past and be like, let's just make sure we don't go as overboard as they did with like the Inquisition. But other than that, the spirit of it is, yeah, let's get rid of these folks. He's actually responding with empty deceit, human traditional. But let's have words of dialogue. Let's talk global warming. Let's talk social justice, which are doing nothing to confront the actual sin that is in the church. Am I wrong about that? No, it's it's been a disaster on the level of you can actually legitimately ask Antichrist questions. Yes, and this is why faithful Catholics who under who who already understand. Because you had a conversion. So you understand the basic good and evil concept. And you are recognizing, wait a minute, uh, guys, we're confronting evil with the exact same empty deceit, human tradition, elemental spirit, spirit, spiritism of this world that caused it in the first place. That dog ain't gonna hunt. That ain't gonna work. That's why there's a conflict. The conflict exists because of this, this scripture right here. One group of Catholics are like, uh, this is where our church right now is captive by empty deceit, human philosophy, human tradition, not church tradition, because the church in the Catholic view is transcendent through space and time, right? So these are your human traditions, the new fad of progressivism and social justice. These are your traditions, the world's elemental spirit tradition. This isn't the church's transcendent tradition. You're trying to cure cancer with cancer. Yes. And that's where the conflict is. You are caging the lion. Yes. Yeah. I think our challenge here, 
especially after the events of today, this culture is going to devolve. Whatever tribalistic notions you think exist now are going to get worse. Whatever bitter clinging there is to human philosophy, human tradition, and empty deceit you think exists right now is only going to get worse. We have one group of people in this country who believe if they disagree with your philosophy, they can destroy you on a personal level without any guilt or remorse. Soon, the other tribe is going to decide, mark my words, they will, they will decide this. By and large, they will decide that what they view as at stake is so momentous that it's okay to return fire with fire. This is going to leave a gr- shrinking feet underneath the ground of us that want to live by Paul's words here in Colossians 2, 8 and 9. It's going to get harder. And the temptation, to, the temptation to say that the alternative tribe is so bad, it is okay to give up all of my virtue. Here's what Paul says to you. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells, not your nationalistic identity, not your cultural heritage, not your political partisan proclivities, not your view of history. You have no idea what history is. If I would have told you guys, Brett Kavanaugh was appointed on July 9th, if I would have told come in here on July 10th and said, guys, that milk toast bushy we were just watching, we're going to be having a, a hearing in the Senate in a couple months about whether he presided over gang rapes. You would have said what to me? <laughs> drug test much? Hey, are we doing drug testing here at the Steve Day Show? Do I need to update my resume? I could believe just about anything at this point, brother. At this point, you could. If I had said that two months ago, would you have believed that? <sighs> Probably out of him now. Yeah. It's going to get worse. Yes. Much worse. Yes. A lot worse. Promise. Which means the temptation, the temptation to believe the wolf is your biggest enemy. Let me rephrase that. The temptation to believe the wolf is your only enemy. That's a better way of saying it. Because believe me, there's plenty of times the wolf is your biggest enemy. The wolf is your only enemy. And therefore, since my, the wolf is my only enemy, whatever I do to defend myself from the wolf becomes justified. Oh, that human tradition and empty deceit is going to grow all the more. All the more. And Paul says, you can't go there. You're not permitted to do that. Just as you're not permitted to say, my wife won't give me sex. And Paul says we're to, we're to give each other's bodies to one another. She is in sin. And by the way, unless she has a medical condition or something, she is in sin, actually. She is. But then you don't get to turn around and say, my wife won't give me what I want. I have these desires. She is in sin. Therefore, I get to go find someone else and sin with her. No, you don't get to do that. You don't get to say, because the sin that is being done to me is so great, I get to sin in response. You don't get to say that is what Paul is saying you don't get to say they destroy our character without any evidence we do this to their guys too you don't get to do that that is empty deceit human tradition that's Genghis Khan uh, versus um, uh, you know uh, pick another you know Attila the Hun that's how the pagans do these things that's not what we do And yeah, that may mean we might suffer, guys. Didn't Christ suffer for us? 
It may mean we may not get the outcome we want in this world. It may mean that. I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. But it might. It might. Are you willing to lose your idol of I have to win for your faith? Because see, here's the great irony of the Christian faith. The only chance you actually have to win is if you are willing to lose. Because you don't have the power. We're dealing with real powers of darkness in this culture right now. And I'm I'm a reformed theology guy who's a sci-fi superhero nerd. I I'm you know, I sound like my one of my buddies, Robert Kramer at Berean Assembly of God, man, right about now. But hey, I'm not gonna ignore the signs of the times when I see him either. This is real malevolence. We're, we are beyond political partisanship now. We're beyond even typical tri tribalism. These are malevolent spirits at work in our culture right now. And you ain't going to hold them back with Lindsey Graham, I promise. You ain't going to hold them back with, with, ever, with Chuck Grassley today and it's at the Kavanaugh hearing, waving a cane at Dick, Bur Dick, Dick, Dick Durbin's my friend. I can't believe he was that unfair to me. Hell laughs, laughs, La belly laughs, laughs until it pees its serpentine pants, laughs at you. That's human tradition versus human tradition. Good luck. Zero times zero is zero. Jesus says whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is the contrarian worldview. I know by sight, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why those disciples scattered when they saw their Lord arrested. And the few that remained ran when they saw him executed. And all of them hid after they saw him buried behind a tomb. And by their human tradition, by the elemental spirits of this world and by the ways they had knowingly accepted being deceived by what the real power was on the planet, it looked pretty lost. It looked like no one would have blamed them for cutting a deal, taking the lesser of two evils, figuring out what was the best way out of this mess because no one's getting out of this really unscathed. And then a weird thing happened. Stone was rolled away. And the one they had abandoned, the one they ran away from, they won the, the one they hid in fear after they saw him die, walked right through their front door like a boss and said, you guys have no idea, no idea who the real power is around here. None. I wonder sometimes, do we really understand who the real power is around here? Because if we did, my Twitter timeline today wouldn't be full of a bunch of gullible conservatives suddenly thinking Lindsey Graham is coming to their rescue after he has sold them into captivity how many times throughout his political career? 
And then we read, we read the Old Testament and we scoff at the Jews who say to Moses, you know, everything was great before you showed up. <clears throat> We're their descendants. Witnessing all these great miracles out in the desert and then turning around at the slightest hint of pushback from the enemy, at the slightest hint of pushback from the devil. We're like, you know, at least when we were captive, we had water, we had meat. And here Paul warns us, see to it that no one takes you captive. And Jesus promises us that he came to set the captives free. I say this with the most amount of affection, my emotionally stunted, <laughs> um, uh, masculine uh, immaturity is capable of. And I wouldn't say it if I didn't love you. I can tell from my inbox, most of you are captives. Most of you listening to me, you may know Bible verses, you might know the Constitution. You might love God, but you're captives. And that's where the, the angst and the terror and the something must be done and we have to win. Those are those are those aren't fruits of the spirit. Those are fruits of the elemental spirits of this world. Those are those are fruits of captivity. You don't believe you're really free. You don't believe you have the most powerful being in the universe leading the way. You don't believe that. Cuz you know what would happen if you did? You wouldn't have that angst. You wouldn't have that worry. Peter for a while thought he had that. Then Jesus looked at him one day and said, get thee behind me, Satan. And then when he really had that, and the leadership told him, don't you come back here again tomorrow preaching about Jesus, he showed up before they did the next morning. And when they tortured him, he went back, went back to his disciples and said, it is a great joy to suffer for the name. That is power. We got a lot of politicians elected we don't have any power. We've given all our power away. And that's why it seems no matter who wins elections, no matter how many Republicans are in office, that's why it seems like the other side is in control. Because we gave them control. You know what? It, when it seems as if the people you're up against are in control, it's usually because you let them have it. I know some of you are going to say, that's why we got to fight. But see, you want to fight by the elemental spirits of this world. You want to fight the cancer with the cancer. You'll just get more cancer. Zero times zero is zero. And I know after saying this, several of you are going to email me. Tell me I like to hear the sound of my own voice. Tell me I am a, 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 a wimp. Tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Tell me I'm just going to let the Democrats win. Todd, do you remember the last time you thought the Democrats were actually losing? I mean, not like they might lose an election, but like losing like the narrative, the culture. Do you remember the last time you thought that? No. Yeah. yeah. Aaron, how about you? No. Yeah, so please, by, if you're about to send me that email, by, 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 by all means, lecture me on how your plan, you want some pragmatism? I'll give you some. Show me how your plan wins. Show me what it's won yet. Show me what it's won.
Thank you. I agree. Same answer that I had. Final thoughts, Todd and Aaron. Well, A, that's why now and forever, uh, I believe I will be damn proud of being on the Steve Day show. B, uh, I just had an example yesterday of what's going on or what, what Steve is talking about. Uh, somebody found out what I uh, do for a living and instantly uh, and innocently enough had uh, thoughts on his own, started talking, oh, this is what I think is going on. And he started talking about you know global banking s- syndicates, all this stuff. It's crazy. Can't trust anybody anymore. Uh, you know, he there was... So instantly I threw out things, you know, you can't trust anybody more. Hey, you nailed it. I've not, I've met the guy for the first time. Global banking syndicates. Okay. Whatever. Um, but, but finally got to the point. What do you think? I said, I think we need a lot more God. And there was, and there were other people around too. And there was like the pause, like the dog, the confused, like didn't see that coming, not rejecting it out of hand. Also kind of weird. I'm not used to that. I'm used to the other trails of breadcrumbs. That's how it's got to be. Y- 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 y'all have to figure out in ways that set aside your normal political shinola. <laughs> how you're going to be talking that about that in a different way on a regular basis. Because there are no ant. There never are any answers outside of God. But there most certainly are times in history, culturally speaking, in terms of families that are operating appropriately, where there is something closer uh, to a cruise control, where, hey, you you head to church uh, on Sunday, you get filled up with that Holy Spirit, uh, and during those uh, times of awakening, uh, things get done spiritually on a regular basis you you are edified you are sanctified this isn't the time it is a time of great spiritual war and so there's just no way around it if you are a christian you you need to take stock now you need to do the math if sit down and keep a notebook in your pocket how many times am i talking about politics Versus how many times am I talking about Jesus? And and also evaluate when I'm talking about Jesus, how am I talking about Jesus? Because that also can be held hostage, can be captive. Am I am I bumper sticker-ish? Am I trite? Am I sanctimonious? Or are you as you are supposed to be? just a vessel for jesus and they're not seeing you they're seeing him yeah yeah we're using jesus as a weapon or as our um as our as our savior as our as our guide and yeah i mean i fight the temptation all the time along the lines of what todd was saying well maybe it's more accurate to say um a lot of times i don't fight the temptation to use Jesus as a weapon to be sanctimonious, as, as Todd said. Um, a reminder that your relationship with Christ is a personal relationship. 
A relationship is not a science. It's not an art. It's something completely different. It is a relationship. Um, just as you wouldn't use, and there's no, there's no earthly relationship that's analogous to it, but just as you wouldn't use, um, if you're, you know, if you're a decent person, you wouldn't use a loved one, a relationship with a loved one to pass judgment on someone else, or at least I hope you wouldn't, or to just accomplish your own ends or your own means, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's so too, um, you shouldn't do that with your relationship. And that is, that is a, a, a temptation for me all the time. Not using my relationship, but um, just trying, knowing or thinking that I'm on the side of truth all the time and praying and working out the faith with fear and trembling and just assuming that everybody else must also be. No, we're all broken vessels, which is why we need um, a savior to sanctify us and to make us whole. True humility, that requires humility. True humility is a right view of oneself in light of uh, what God has done, of who you are and what God has done for you um, through his son. Well said, both of you. Um, I'm out tomorrow. Uh, taking Noah on a little uh, father-son trip Have to fun. a uh, college yeah. football game. Have fun. And boy, do I need to d- be out. <laughs> So Todd and Aaron will fill in. You'll have more than you'll be in more than capable hands. I'll be back again on Monday. People are doubting that right now, based yeah. on yesterday's show. Yeah. They're like, "Yeah, well, really, Steve, nah. you, you really want to leave really, the kids alone right people now?" People really enjoyed that. <laughs> I got a lot of good feedback. Actually, people liked it. Hey, uh, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. <laughs> <laughs>